Hello and welcome to the Greatest Games Podcast brought to you by 816 Basketball. I'm one of your hosts, Brian Rosefield, and I'm joined by my co-host, Chris de Blasio. Thank you, Brian. It's always a pleasure to be here on the Greatest Games Podcast. A chance for us to catch up with basketball coaches from around the country and have them tell us about their greatest game. It can be their time as a head coach, an assistant coach, an AAU coach, a B-team coach, a CYO coach, just whatever game they consider to be their greatest game. You know, I love it when you come out with those acronyms. And, you know, I'll tell you what, Chris, we're going back to New Jersey for another episode here of The Greatest Games to Demarest, New Jersey. And while we were talking off the air before the show, I had a little bit of a, another geography lesson. You know, me and, and New Jersey geography don't get along very well, but we're going to Northern Valley Demarest High School in Demarest, New Jersey. Uh, again, that is that, that's NVD which is different than the OT. We may learn more about that during the show. But Coach Kevin Grimes, welcome to the Greatest Games Podcast. Thank you, guys. I appreciate you having me on. And, uh, yes, it is NVD. Uh, and the team, uh, you know, school down the street is OT. Um, but, uh, you know, you'll get to know that pretty fast. It's sort of like, Brian, I'll give you a little – it's sort of like the Clemson-South Carolina team, like Clemson-South Carolina thing, like – He's not going to mention the other. He's going to say the school up the street. Oh, I caught it. Yeah, that's, that's right. I caught it. I love it. I love it. I, I used to do the same thing at Wayne. I used to do the same thing at Wayne Hills. It was a school up, uh, it was a school up Valley Road. That's it. Up Valley Road. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I'll tell you what, Coach Grimes, I'll tell you, working, playing, not injured, but playing while fatigued. Apparently he moved today and has yes. joined us on the podcast tonight. I don't know how – I believe you said you're getting married, so I don't know how the fiancé feels about while she's unpacking boxes, he's doing a podcast. Fiancé's a little overwhelmed right now. She, uh, <laughs> she, she, was the, uh, she was the MVP of the day. She, uh, she had cable here, and she had everybody here. She's still moving boxes, and uh, she's giving me the hour here to jump on with you guys and talk hoops a little bit, so – you know, I'm going to have to make up for it at some point this week. Uh, I'll tell you, I don't know her, but it sounds like a keeper. She sounds like a keeper there, Coach. <laughs> she absolutely is. Well, Coach, why don't you take us uh, through your basketball resume and how you got to where you are now as the uh, head coach of the Northern Valley Demarest Vikings, by the way, Brian. Or no, is it Norseman? Vikings. Vikings. It's a Norseman. Yeah, it's Norseman. a Norseman. Nor but they Norseman Nation. Mascot. Sorry. They does. It's Norseman. It's a Viking Norseman. It's, you know, I'm still getting used to it here in year three. <laughs> So uh, my, uh, I, I started at the Wayne PAL as a AAU travel coach. And, you know, my aspirations were always to be a head high school basketball coach. So I jumped on the Wayne Hill staff as an assistant for Paul Pallick, who is uh, now the head coach of Manchester, where he does uh, a great job with that program over there. And, uh, you know, Paul decided to take another route after my first year with him. And I had some opportunities. So after my first year, I was just a volunteer assistant. I interviewed over at Paramus. Um, and I, I actually got the job and I accepted the job with Donnie roll. Who's the AD over there. And it's, it's just a, such a funny story. I get home and about two hours later, my phone rings and, uh, the superintendent at the time was, uh, Mike Niello, who was the former, uh, football coach at Ramapo. Um, he was doing kind of dual roles at Wayne Valley and Wayne Hills. And he just said, Hey, listen, you're our guy. If you want the job. So He's like, just, I kind of told him I accepted the Paramus job. I came in the next morning. He had everything in front of me. He goes, well, you're our guy. And, you know, my, my, my roots were in Wayne, and that was always my dream job. So I went ahead and became the head coach of Wayne Hills. I spent five years there, five incredible years. And uh, over the last few years, I've been the head coach of Northern Valley Demers up in Bergen County, which is a little bit of a new world for me. But uh, enjoying the heck out of it, get to work with Greg Butler every day, who, in my opinion, is the best AD in the state of New Jersey. Um, and 
really enjoying my time right there right now. I'm always intrigued at, at answers to, to these questions, Coach. And so you said you always aspired to be a high school coach. In episode 36, we had Chuck McBreen on from, from Ramapo College saying he always wanted to be a college coach. So what was it about the high school ranks that had you wanting to be a high school coach? I think for me, during my time even playing high school hoops and, and that first year being an assistant at Wayne Hills, just it was kind of the atmosphere. And seeing what a gym could look like on a Friday night or a, you know, a Saturday afternoon in the, in a County tournament. And it just, you know, even growing up and playing and just being around that stuff, it just, I kind of always wanted to be the guy on the sideline leading the team. Um, I'd be lying to you guys. If I said I didn't have aspirations to be a college coach, I've, I've interviewed places. I've, I've been in offered college jobs before, but it always kind of brought me back to high school and, and being able to, develop that demographic of an age group and trying to teach those guys to be young men and, and, and what really happens after high school when you leave those four walls. Um, and it really has nothing to do with the basketball side of it. It just has to do with being a real good man and um, how to grow from there. And I just, I found myself really having uh, a real knack for doing that. And, and from that point on, I knew that that was just where I wanted to be for the next 15, 20, 30 years, whatever it would be. That's a great answer. Um, now, you you moved up pretty quickly. You, you know, it, it happened all really fast, like you said. Uh, tell us about some of your mentors and, and some things you've learned from them along the way. You obviously mentioned Greg Butler, your current athletic director. But just talk us about some of those people Absolutely. that help you, help you get to where you are. Absolutely. Um, I actually have a real great quick story about a college coach. Um, you know, where I am right now, I spent about a year and a half, two years with Greg Butler. Um, again, there, there's nothing – that I can say about that man that has, I mean, he's, he's taught me so much in 48 months. That's going to help me be not just a better basketball coach for the next, however many years, but a, a really good man and had to mentor young student athletes. Um, but before that, like I, I spent a year with Paul Pallick and he's the head coach of Manchester right now. He had a couple stops along the way too. And to see the way that he taught defense specifically was something that I kind of, I think grabbed onto right away um, and had a kind of, you know, get players to understand the meaning behind playing defense and the value it has to a basketball program. But my first year at Wayne Hills, I went to uh, the Braden Clark Coaches Clinic. He ran that every year um, in the New Jersey area. And it was at FDU one year. And I was getting a bagel. And next to me was Buzz Williams. And he had, at that time, he was at Marquette. And I, I just took my shot. <laughs> I said, hey, coach, you know, big fan, you know, obviously a big fan of, you know, what you do and, you know, Big East basketball, et cetera, et cetera. You know, this is my first year. I'm here trying to learn. And he invited me out to Marquette. And to be quite honest, I thought he was full of it. Gave me a cell phone number. Uh, I took my chance. I remember Wayne Hills and Wayne Valley had a football game that night. I took my chance. I sent him a text. And long behold, in November, I was out there. I was watching film with him and his, uh, his assistants. I was sitting in on walkthroughs. And since then, I built a relationship with him and his staff. Um, over his stops at Virginia Tech and obviously now at A&M. And that man in itself and the way that he approaches coaching is probably my biggest influence of, of why I am coaching. Whether it's basketball or another sport, that would probably be my biggest influence and in how he approaches culture. Because something I'll always say is I think culture will beat scheme every single night if you believe in it. Um, so he's kind of probably been my biggest mentor um, kind of how he runs things more than anybody else. 
what a wonderful man to pick for you, for you to take your shot. Cause I've sat in clinics with him before and done the same thing. I've gotten a cell number, texting me text back and for yeah. you to take that leap to go out there and, and, and take that invitation because I've been a high school coach before too. And it's just like, well, you can't really mean that. Like, but that he means it. Like he is one of the most genuine guys I've ever been around. He's incredible. Without question. It was, it, it, it was probably the, the most amazing thing to be on a plane eight weeks later and be sitting there watching film with, uh, at that time, um, was his assistant, which was not assistant coach, but it was kind of the assistant to the head coach, a gentleman named by Devin Johnson, who is now an assistant at A&M with him. And, um, he just takes care of his guys and he just, he, he's so passionate about what he does and to see just another individual be that passionate about something. And for you not to be able to do that yourself with your high school guys, is like, you know, how do you not, you know? So that, that is just, you know, that's someone I just look up to extremely. Yeah. I, I talk to my coaches a lot. I'm a high school AD. So I talk to, to my coaches a lot about just working on their craft, trying to continuously improve, getting better every day. So I'm curious now hearing that answer, I think we're going to have a pretty robust answer here, but what are the things that you engage in daily, weekly, monthly to keep yourself growing as a coach and as a person? Yeah, absolutely. Um, one of the things that I've, you know, I've taken from Coach Buzz, and I don't want to keep harping on him, was his kind of get better mantra. Um, I use that with my guys. I did it at Wayne Hills. I'll use that with my guys until the day I stop coaching. So one of the things that I personally try to do is, you know, I'm fascinated with the Twitter world and, and stuff that high school coaches put out there from around the country, college coaches put out there from around the country. So I'm always trying to better myself by looking at different offensive schemes, um, things that people do differently within the same scheme. Um, things people do from a defensive side. And, and, and I'm just – I'm a student of the game. I'm, on, I'm constantly jotting stuff down, watching film, um, even of other teams from around the state, um, just trying to figure out what they do and how we can maybe combat that or use that in some shape or form. But then there's the, all the, the other side of it I was mentioning. It, it, it's how coaches on many different levels talk to their kids and how they approach the daily – grind and that's the thing I think I take most of it because one of the firm things I believe is you can't trick a 16 17 year old 18 year old kid anymore like they'll read right through you so for me I just try to be as authentic as genuine as possible um and, and I try to learn from other people and, and 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 I think that's one of the things that I think all coaches need to do is continue to grow by learning from other guys because you know all of us I mean there's there's always something we can all do better Oh, my mic wasn't on. Darn, it hasn't happened in a while. I got you. Um, I hear you now. <laughs> um, you talk about that constant learning, constant borrowing from other coaches. Uh, one recommendation, if you don't follow Xavier men's basketball on Twitter, do it. Do you follow I pretty, them? I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure I do, but I will take a look after this, uh, after this chat because if I don't, I absolutely will. They have some great things, but you talk about learning and how you can learn and I've used the opportunity of this podcast. That what, what the episode is he, Brian? What would it be, 38, 39? Talking about, on, uh, oh, this yeah. episode is episode 37. Uh, there is something I still have written down on my notepad that I have with me every time we do this podcast. And it was from, I don't know, 15 episodes ago when we had Anthony Gallo of Saddle River Day on. Yeah. And he talked about their big thing this year that they harped on. One of their big mantras was win the third quarter. They wanted to win the third quarter, and that was something they specifically concentrated on this year. And uh, he said it really worked well for them. And I have that written down as something I want to do with my team for next year. You know, just that, that's yeah. another new thing to try. We, none of us have gotten it all right. <laughs> exactly. And 
one of the things I've talked about with my guys, um, it's always the first four minutes and always the second four minutes. So it's that first four minutes of the game and then how you really come out in those first four minutes in the third quarter. Um, I do like Coach Gallo's approach, and I, I know Coach Gallo very well. Um, and to win the third quarter obviously puts you in a position, you know, in those final eight minutes to, to, to be in a game. Um, and I like that approach. That's something I think I'll jot down after this too. And maybe that first four minutes, maybe you got to extend it another four. Um, I think that's pretty cool. And to your point too, like, you know, like having those conversations and knowing a guy like Gallo very well, I would have never known that that's a mantra that he would use with his guys. And it's something that I'll probably absolutely store and uh, mention with my guys along the way without question. Yeah, basketball, I, I'm sure there are other industries like this, but basketball just strikes me as one of those industries, like you just said, like the, everybody gets to share these ideas and whether it's on a podcast or like you're talking about on Twitter or in person with Buzz Williams or whatever, everybody is so willing to share information just for the betterment of the game, betterment of kids, better the betterment of coaches. And it's just a, it's a super unique industry. And I, I'm sure there are other ones, but I just know basketball and I'm just really I'm fascinated by that culture. So um, now switching gears just a little bit here. Um, you were kind enough to answer those questions that we send out uh, beforehand. So we know the answer is yes to this. So can you tell us about our, uh, your first technical foul or do you have a fun technical foul story? <laughs> Anything that, uh, that uh, you'd, you'd be willing to share with us? Um, I've had a couple. <laughs> um, some I'm not overly proud of. Um, one actually came – here's a good one. One actually came my first year uh, at Northern Valley Demarest. And, 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 and you know, it's funny because I've had these conversations with uh, North Jersey officials, and, and you can let me know if you agree with this one. Um, the game is officiated a little bit differently in Passaic, in Passaic County than it is in Bergen County. And I've had officials agree with me there. So I think it was my third game in in Northern Valley Demarest, and I put my hands in the air, and I said, you know what? I'm obviously not in Passaic County anymore. I guess I'm playing in Bergen County right now. And right away, turned around, gave me a quick tee, and um, my assistants laughed at me. The kids laughed a little bit, and I, I kind of shrugged it off. And, you know, at the end of the game, I went up, tapped the guy in the butt, and I said, I'm sorry for that. But um, <laughs> being in a different county and kind of feeling that a little bit was uh, – and it was a quick one too. Bergen, you know, games in Bergen County are a little bit different. They, uh, you know, my leash, you know, I guess guys who I saw in Passaic County for five years, I wasn't seeing as frequently in Bergen County. So my leash was a lot shorter. So I have to, uh, I kind of got to watch my, uh, my, my funny one-liners that I thought was funny, but not really funny anymore in Bergen County. <laughs> <laughs> so you think it's a little tighter in Bergen County? Yeah, it? I do. I, I okay. really do. And, and I, I won't name officials names, but I've had conversations with guys and, and you can tell me, I mean, if, I, I think the game in Bergen County is officiated a little bit tighter. I do. And, and that could just, that could be because, you know, a lot of the guys that you see on big Bergen County games, whether they be Jambo games with some of the parochials or whatnot, or just, you know, they're really good at their craft and they're really good and they're passionate about what they do. But I do see, you know, those, those quick hand checks, you know, and, and by rule, I mean, these officials are hundred percent right by rule. Now in the state of New Jersey, you have a hand on someone's waist. It's an automatic foul. But, you know, you'll go down to Passaic County, you'll play some really competitive games with the, you know, the Patterson Kennedys, the Eastsides, the Wayne Valleys of the world. And, you know, some of those officials say, hey, listen, you know, we're going to let you guys play a little bit. Um, I think it's a little bit different in Burn County. I can see that. I can see that, especially when you're talking about the bigger schools in Passaic County. It's definitely a uh, – Yes. A more yeah, I'm, and I'm talking about the heavy hitters like the Wayne Hills and the Wayne Valleys. And the, right. Absolutely. Eastsides and Kennedys and the DePauls of the world, for sure. 
Yeah, I would think that's I would think that's probably true. And there's a lot of the same officials, but I think they they understand the games are played a little bit differently in the different uh, in the different areas. without question. And, and, and you know, it, it's funny because the other side of it too. I, I think some of the guys and I see a lot more three man crews in Bergen County than I did in Passaic County. Um, I do think they do a great job, and you know, I, I bust their chops a little bit. I'm having some fun with you guys, but I do think they really do do a great job. And you know, it took me, and I said it to a lot of guys too. It, it took me a you know, a couple months to adjust to it too. And I'm to be quite honest, I'm still adjusting to it. So, you know, we take some time and one of the things that I've adopted is I, I bring an official up during our preseason, you know, not even our scrimmages, but during that training camp, you know, kind of session or when we're kind of having our own scrimmages or going through our baseline or sidelines, I bring an official up and, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll have him call things. So my guys understand the rules prior to opening night and how games are going to be called. I, I'm not sure if I mentioned this on the actual podcast, Brian, but a guest we've had and a friend of ours, we had a couple episodes ago, Matt Park, when he was a Division three head coach, he would actually go to refereeing clinics during the summer to see what they were being taught, things that they were emphasizing that year, and he would go to those clinics to learn what the officials were looking for so that he could properly educate his guys. That's pretty cool. Yeah, but he's he's a detail oriented guy for sure. So and when he told me that he was doing that, it did not surprise me. It was one of those type of things. But coach, uh, we like to call this podcast the Greatest Games Podcast, and you have a doozy for us a uh, a great uh, county final game. Why don't you give us the background information and tell us all about this game and why it's so special to you? Absolutely. Um, so it was the first Passaic County title won by Wayne Hills. And I was obviously there for five years and it was a goal of ours from the day I took the job. Um, as you guys may or may not know, Passaic County's history is really ran by, you know, Patterson Kennedy and Patterson Eastside and Patterson Catholic before it was closed down. You know, later on, you know, even Passaic, you know, in the earlier years was a powerhouse. And, you know, DePaul Catholic had won two in you know the early 2000s. And you know, Wayne Hills just never, ever kind of, you know, reaching the pinnacle of Passaic County was kind of always a goal of ours. And, you know, prior to winning that, that county final in 2018, you know, we were getting close. We had a span of three years where we won 20 plus games. You know, two years prior in 2016, we lost to Wayne Valley in the semifinal after beating them twice in the regular season. Um, in 2017, we lost to Kennedy in the semifinal. Um, so, we, to get over that hump, we had to actually go through a Wayne Valley in the semifinal in 18, and then obviously beating Kennedy in the final, which took overtime. Um, and the funny thing about that was the past four meetings prior to the county final with Kennedy were all played in overtime. So to, to, to get to the county final, obviously in itself was an extreme accomplishment, but to win it against a Patterson Kennedy who had the most county wins ever um, in the history of Passaic County, and then to beat them in overtime, which we weren't able to do for four previous meetings, was um, extremely, extremely special. And, and just the way the game was played um, and in the overtime period and what we had to do to win that game was in itself really special. I mean, we were down by eight with less than a minute 12 left in the game. And, you know, kind of you, you probably think the hundreds of fans in the stands who were wearing maroon that they were probably thinking the same thing we were thinking on the sideline, you know, not again. You know, is this really going to happen again? And the sequence, you know, between a steal and three-pointer and then another three-pointer and then 
you know, a rebound to a foul and making two free throws to Kennedy missing an easy layup to win it at the buzzer. Uh, and then to score all of our five points from the free throw line in overtime to finally win it like that in itself was just um, remarkable. I mean, the, the games on YouTube, I mean, I've, I've had friends who have watched it, who couldn't come, who just said from a high school basketball game, you know, how special and how, how memorable and just how exciting. The, the, the broadcast, and we appreciate you sending that link to us, the broadcast quality of that game is incredible for a high school game. So we'll put the link in the show notes for fans to um, – to, to watch that game it's it's really it's really high quality and as a as a high school ad here in south carolina i'm thinking what in the world i need to start i need to step up my game here <laughs> and start start doing some 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 televising there but uh yeah take take us through some some, some more of that game you know you can send some uh some notes in about a, an 8-0 run late in the yeah. game so tell tell us a little bit more about about the actual game there we were really driven by our seniors um you know the night before you know, we actually went through walkthrough at Wayne Valley, and, and I, I did my best to kind of let that happen because, you know, the message to our guys, you know, that entire week and that night going into that game was, you know, you have the opportunity to be the first at something. And it really had nothing to do with basketball, but, you know, this was the first time a Wayne Hills team had an opportunity to win a Passaic County final, but more so for those players. The one thing that no one would ever be able to take away from them is they were the first to do something in their lives. And that was the message and extremely special. And, you know, the energy that night and, and even Saturday morning into our walkthrough was, it was high and our confidence was very high. And we jumped out to a quick double digit lead. Um, you know, Kennedy made a run in a second corner. I believe we were up by maybe two or it was a tie game at the half. Um, played pretty, pretty equal in the second quarter. Um, same thing in the third quarter, played pretty even. I know uh, our junior, Jake Belli, had a really big three to end the quarter there. Uh, I believe put us up by a couple points. And then, you know, Kennedy did what Kennedy does. You know, they're very well coached. Tommy Patterson does such a good job over there with them. And, you know, they're really, truly known for putting the pressure on teams in the fourth quarter. And a lot of the games that they've won have been – by beating teams in the fourth quarter and a lot of press and, and making their runs and being a team to score 20, 22, 23 points in a quarter. Um, and they did that to us. I mean, we were down by eight with a minute 12 left in a game and we got really lucky. We poked out a basketball, um, you know, our senior Justin Wills, who I believe was one of the best shooters in the state of New Jersey that year, you know, bangs a three, we get it to five. And now we're pressing full court and, you know, our game plan going in was to play a matchup zone and try to shut down their two good guards. They had really two good guards in uh, Cologne and Lattimore, and we really wanted to slow the pace down. So we played a matchup zone the whole game. But when you're down eight with a minute 12 left in a game, you kind of got to change it up a little bit. Um, and then from there, we were able to, to, to get another steal, and we come down and we hit a runner three in the corner by Justin Wills again. And all of a sudden, you look at the scoreboard, and we're down by two with, you know, 36 seconds left. And you know, their best player, Jalen Cologne, who's having a really nice career right now at Felician on a Division II level, probably took a shot, you know, early in that game clock that he'd probably like to have back, and it rimmed out. You know, our best player at the time, Joey Belli, comes down and, you know, misses a layup and makes two free throws, and all of a sudden we have a tie game here. And, um, you know, Kennedy had the opportunity with about 20 seconds left. They ran it down. They wanted the last shot to try to win it. Um, they ran high pick and roll. We blitzed the ball screen to try to take the ball out of Jalen Cologne's hands. He makes a great pass um, to their big boy, Hargrave, 
or Hargrove, I'm sorry, and he misses an easy, easy layup. And it just seemed at that point it was fate. And, you know, we go into the huddle there in overtime, and, and to be quite honest, the kids took over the huddle. It's, you know, their voices just kind of overshadowed mine. And, I, I, and that's a point as a coach you need to take a step back. And I let our seniors take over the huddle. And I remember, you know, Joey Belli and Justin Wills, you know, saying, we want this. This is what we talked about. We talked about earning it, doing things the hard way. This is, this is now ours to go take. And I didn't say a word. We broke it down. We go out there. And um, senior Joe Cerrone just makes five big free throws for whatever reason. He was the guy who ended up at the free throw line. And he makes five really big free throws. And then before you know it, the ball's in the air. And we're county champions. And the kids are celebrating. And I think I fall to my knees if you watch the video at the bench. And I'm just – in utter shock that it actually happened. And I got just tears rolling down my eyes and uh, a moment that I, don't, I, I think I'll never forget. Coach, you talked about um, and when you started, when you got the job, this was your goal was to win the Passaic County title. Now, prior to that season, was it a, listen, I, I want to win a state championship next year, but my team's probably not going to win a state championship. But was this a realistic goal? Is this something you guys sat about and talked about in December? Like, this is our year to win the Passaic County Tournament. You know what the funny thing is? I think we had those conversations, you know, 2016, 2017, too. And to be quite honest with you, I think our goals were always to win, you know, a county and a state championship. And I actually think it's, you know, and, and North 1 Group 3 is, is, is one of the best sections in the state of New Jersey, without question. Right. Gauntlet. Yes, that is that is the exact word. It is the gauntlet. But I always thought being a team that could be the first, and because of the rich history behind the teams that want to say county, and how it's never been done, there was a part of me that actually thought it was harder to win a Passaic County title coming from a team like a Wayne Hills than it would be to actually win a section. And, and even at Northern Valley Demers right now, I'm in that same section with the Wayne Hills team. And it, you're 100 percent right. It's the gauntlet, but. I think when that group were freshmen, they won the Passaic County Freshman Championship. So their vision was to always go ahead and do that as seniors. So I think if you talk to any of those guys and the conversations we had in meetings was that it was obviously our number one goal. Um, and the funny thing is I thought if we won that one, that we had the team to go ahead and win a section. Um, but unfortunately, we lost in four overtimes to Northern Valley Demers, but that's a whole nother story. Um, but, yeah, it was without question our number one goal in December. He drops a four-overtime game just as a uh. tease and all, <laughs> on a podcast called The Greatest Games. But I tell you what, that's uh, Kevin, that, that means we just have to have you back. Maybe I know that one didn't go the way that you wanted it to, but uh, that, I'm struck by that one. So, But I, I tell you what, I'm struck also by the huddle. Did you say those seniors took over the huddle? Uh what was that moment like for you? You just you said it, you know, here on a podcast. Like, hey, when that happens, you got to step back and let kids take over the huddle there. But was that was that really even a second thought? Like, hey, was the energy there? You said, you know what, I'm just getting out of the way. Like, I'm super fascinated by that moment there. Yeah, I think I think it just happened really organically. Like, I think as I, you know, at that time I was in my fifth year as a head coach. I think I started to learn more and more that you can't be stuck in your ways. Like I was always a guy that wanted to play man-to-man -man defense, but I had assistants that year who said, you know, Kev, if, if we want to go ahead and, and win this thing, we may have to go play some matchup zone for these teams. So I found myself adapting a lot that year. And 
I remember we go to overtime, the kids run back to the huddle. They're super energetic. And I, you know, our, our coaching staff is huddled up there as the kids were kind of catching their breath and getting some water. And, you know, our conversations were, are we going to go back and go play man as we've been doing the last minute and 12, are we going to go back to our scheme and go play that matchup zone? And we agreed as a staff, Hey, let's go stick to man or let's go let them decide. And I, I remember as I was walking back to the huddle, they weren't even sitting down anymore. They were standing up. And I saw our two leaders really just being vocal in that huddle and talking about our moment. This is what we want, our time. And I actually remember putting my hands out to our assistants to say, no, 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 no. Let's keep your mouths. Just let's, let's stop here. Let them go. And then they looked at me, obviously, for direction after they were done talking. I said, are we good? They said, yes. We put our hands in and then we, we go out there. And if you watch that overtime, the energy in that gym, you had one side of the bleacher standing up. You had the other side standing up. And the energy was just contagious. And I, I remember myself, I, I still have goosebumps talking about it, that, you know, that was then. They, they, they decided at that moment they weren't going to lose. It had nothing to do with what I said. It was all about what they decided they wanted to happen in that moment. Those are the most fun moments as a coach. I'm not sure if I said it again. It's one of these things I'm not sure if I said on one of the episodes, but I had a, a great freshman team at Creskill, and we thought we could go undefeated and win the freshman county tournament. We went undefeated until the championship game and lost, but we were losing a game at halftime to Pascack Hills midway through the season. And I walked in the locker room, and I'll never forget it. My starting point guard looked at me and said, get out of here. We're not losing this blanking game. And I went, all right, <laughs> see you later. You got it. <laughs> what am I going to do? They're the, one, they're the ones that, af- that, that affect what happens in the game. You know, we like, to think, question. We, we like to think we do and pretend like we're important, but. <laughs> we're really not. <laughs> And so you mentioned, too, in the overtime that all of your points were from the free throw line. So if I'm looking at I found an article here that it was 49 all at the end of regulation. And the final, uh, you end up with 55. So six points from the free throw line. So I'm curious about that, too. Was that just your guys just taking it to the rim there, like just super aggressive? Yeah, it, what was it, that about? It, it just seemed like, you know, and I'll actually go back to the early part of the year before I, before I touch on that because this is always something I'll talk to all my players about. Earlier on in the year, we started five seniors that year. And as a coaching staff, we believed that we had a junior guard. His name was Jake Belli, who we thought would just bring a different dynamic to our group at that moment. So right after the holidays, we incorporated the junior guard into the starting lineup and we took out a senior. His name was Joe Cerrone. And – you know, the message when that stuff happens to a player is like, hey, you got to still be the same guy. You got to work hard every day. You still got to be a leader. And, you know, when your time comes, you know, I'm a big proponent that the game will find a way to treat you the right way if you treat the game the right way. And it just happened right before that county run, probably four games before the final, the kid Joe Cerrone worked himself back into the starting lineup. We needed his defense. We needed his rebounding. We needed his tenacity on the glass. And that was the kid who ended up scoring those six points in the overtime period. And he wakes up the next morning on Sunday, and all of a sudden the record says Mr. Overtime. I mean, how about that moment for a kid to, to keep their nose in the dirt and keep grinding that way? But, you know, we won the opening tip. You know, we, 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 we weren't really running stall, but we were kind of going through our motion offense, and there was some time going off the clock. So we, we kind of kept at it, and then the ball kind of goes off our, you know, our best player's foot to the backcourt. You know, Kennedy comes down, they can't score. And then for whatever reason, it kind of goes back to, you know, that kid just grinded it out for another two and a half months. The ball just seemed to be in his hands every time he got fouled. I mean, he got fouled once underneath the rim off a great pass from our point guard. 
And then every other time, the ball just seemed to be in his hands, and he just made free throws. At I mean, you know, we told, we know this as coaches, as fathers, as as you know, you know, we were doing this in the backyard when we were little, shooting free throws until you know we we, we couldn't do it anymore. And like to see that happen is just like that's storybook type stuff. Yeah. You talk about that, something Brian and I have talked about for years. One of our mentors, Dave Odom, who worked for it at the University of South Carolina, would always tell kids, you can't cheat the game. And you're talking about that with Cerrone. He just kept working hard. The game was going to pay him back at some point. Because he's grinding and working hard. I love that. And it's uh, not easy. It really isn't easy for a 17-year-old kid to, you know, be a senior. You finally, you put the work in for 17 years. You get your moment. You're a starter. And all of a sudden, the staff thinks that, you're going to go in a different direction. And what kids still don't really, and you know this too, what kids still struggle believing is that like, we, we, we love everybody. We, we're just going to do what we think is best to help the team win. And for a 17-year-old kid to kind of see it all come to fruition and keep grinding, 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 like I'm hoping that's a lesson that he takes on as a, you know, as a father one day to his children because that's like, you know, like you just said, like that the game will find a way to treat you the right way and give back to you if you just do it the right way. Absolutely. Coach, we'd like to end it on a fun question here. Um, what is one thing uh, kids who played for you at, at Wayne Hills and kids who play for you now at Demarest, if I said Coach Grimes always says this, what's the one thing they would say that you always find yourself repeating? Ride the wave. Ooh. Ride, okay. ride the waves. Ride the waves. Um, I, 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 probably, I would probably say 99.9% of them because they – you know, sometimes they would joke with me and they'll go and they'll do the hand motion of the wave to me sometimes. But yeah, my big thing is ride the waves. I mean, of course, 32 minutes, things happen. Things go bad. I mean, that's, that's, that's the game. That's life. And if you can ride the waves in 32 minutes, you're going to give yourself a chance to win in the fourth quarter. And in life, you know, when, when, when life throws your curveballs, if you can ride those waves and not get too high, not get too low, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll make it through some of the dark times. So, you know, ride the waves, ride the waves. What a great way to, to finish an episode and what a, a great piece of evidence talking about your greatest game there, a waves of an overtime game and then get to the free throw line, you know, but just, just uh, what a, what a, a neat way to kind of just bring it all together. That's, and Chris, again, that's what we do here, the greatest game. So we just bring it all together. Right. You know, <laughs> but coach Grimes, I just can't thank you enough for coming on the show. It's been really, really cool to, to hear your stories and get to know you a little bit more. And like I said, we'll have you back. We, we, we at least know of at least the four overtime games that you've been a part of, uh, which, that, which you that, may that, not that, want that. to talk about, but, uh, anyway, uh, that was a good one. But I'm, I mean, I'm hoping I have a couple more. I'd love to be back and talk to you guys. Hopefully, I can have a couple more great games here in the next couple of years. There you go. We could do that. We appreciate your time. And this has uh, been a highly entertaining episode. But we'll go ahead and put a, a button on this one as, as well. So, for my co host, Chris de Blasio, I am Brian Rosefield. And thank you for listening to this episode of The Greatest Games. <laughs> <laughs>